Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Breakfast with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Hello, a little bit of trivia to start the show today. In 1959, the Flamingos had a hit rock and roll song, which for all you music trivia buffs, ranks number 157 on Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time list. That's true. The lyrics were like a weather forecast, and I promise not to sing. Are the stars out tonight? I don't know if it's cloudy or bright. I only have eyes for you, dear. Is it coming back to you? <laughs> or maybe you heard you hear your parents singing this. Well, if the flamingos were asking that question today, those questions, we'd have to say yes to all. It's cloudy and it's bright. Case in point, two weeks ago, right here on Breakfast with Game Changers, our weather forecast called for prevailing clouds disrupting business as usual in a good way with bright stars lighting the cloud-filled skies. Have the picture? Of course, we were talking about the cloud, as in cloud computing, and what it can do for your business, whether you're a new or a mature business, whether you're small, medium, or large. So, are you still in the dark about how the cloud can solve your real-time down-to-earth business challenges? Does the cloud still sound like a lot of hot air, and pardon the pen, but a little nebulous to you? Well, listen up today. Our cloud experts are back to continue exploring the vast game-changing cloudscape. We're going to talk about public versus private cloud. Mm-hmm. How a private cloud can fail. That should be interesting. How about the accessibility and security and ownership of your data in the cloud? That's a big concern for everybody. Whether the cloud always saves you money? Hmm. We're going to talk about a roadmap to a successful cloud journey and tips for choosing a cloud vendor. If you have any questions for our experts, you can tweet us during the show at pound sign SAP radio. And if you'd like to tell me what you're drinking in your cup for breakfast today, try tweeting us to pound sign SAP radio coffee. So pour yourself a fresh cup of Joe Earl or OJ, whatever your tastes are, and join us for food for thought as we look skyward once again to help you get your head in the cloud. I'm going to introduce my first guest. Her name is Lauren Nelson. She's returning to the show. Lauren is an analyst at Forrester Research. She focuses on the infrastructure as a service. That's IAAS space. Mid-year, since mid-year, she's published market overviews on public and private IAAS clouds, the future of cloud standardization, and evaluating cloud computing as a green technology. In the past three years, Lauren has conducted hundreds of end-user interviews and vendor product demos for this space. Welcome Lauren, how are you today? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Bonnie? Fine, thank you. I looked up one of your recent papers, or maybe it was a blog, Lauren, on October 25th. You wrote something called Justifying Your Cloud Investment, and I pulled a couple of quotes from that I'd like to kick off our conversation with. You say, don't jump into the cloud without understanding its benefits and limitations, but you also warn, start developing your cloud strategy because holding off puts you behind your competitors. So talk to me, Lauren. Thoughts, public, private, where's the cloud today? Well, today we're seeing a lot of folks defer to private cloud. Um, those that are using the public cloud today often are using it for test and development or marketing. But when an enterprise as a whole goes to the cloud, it seems that the trend today is going towards private cloud, um, often due to security concerns, especially around data protection. Um, the problem with that is is that they are expecting the same type of re- returns in a p- private environment as they are with a public environment, and that's not the case. Um, it's a different economic model. Although they're both considered clouds and there's elements that's similar in both, it's really not the same types of return that you get from one environment that you do from another. Lauren, does it depend on the size of the company, what the preference is? Would a, a brand-new company, let's say a consulting firm with 10 or 15 employees, would they be talking private or would they be saying, just let me dip my toe in the pool of the public cloud to start? So those that are going towards a private environment are mostly large enterprises that have substantial amounts of infrastructure resources in-house already. Um, In order to benefit from any type of multi-tenancy from a private environment, you need to have a large amount of users, and that's something you're going to get with a larger enterprise. Whereas a small and medium business, they're one of the first uh, folks that have entered into the public space because... Often they don't have that significant amount of infrastructure in-house or don't have the resources to secure new resource, uh, new infrastructure in-house. 
So as far as the, the private side, we're seeing large adoption within the enterprise space. Okay. Now, is private cloud the panacea, the end-all and be-all? Is it a sure thing? Do you get guaranteed security, no fail rate? Do you get everything you've ever dreamed of in terms of the best of the cloud, or are there some downsides to private, Lauren? So the thing about private cloud is it's it's not something to compare directly to public cloud. Um, okay. The agility that you get from a private cloud is very similar to the agility that you'd get from a, a public environment. But as far as cost savings and, and how um, in a private environment you're seen as the vendor, essentially. So you're that, that cloud provider. And you don't have the benefit of being able to be able to shut those resources off and benefit from cost savings of not having to pay for infrastructure up front and when you're not using it. Um, since you're that, that cloud provider, you need to put the incentives in place. And there's so much work that's on the back end to get this environment up and running and to make it as efficient as it needs to be that it actually ends up being a lot more work than being able to use a public environment. Um, Interesting. Private cloud, I guess the best way of phrasing it is talking about it as data center optimization. These aren't new concepts that are coming together with a private cloud environment. It's standardization, automation, pay-per-use, multi-tenancy, self-service. These components are things we've talked about for years in optimizing data centers. It's just when they're combined and you're talking about it in a holistic form, that's when we're really talking about this this private cloud environment. Um, Lauren, does multi-tenancy apply to a private cloud if it's just your company, if it's just uh, XYZ widget with... 30,000 employees based in, let's say, 25 countries. Is there such a thing as multi-tenancy, or would that mean the different users at that company who are sharing the clouds, the private cloud space? So this is often debated. It's that gray area of what's considered multi-tenancy or not multi-tenancy. Um, there's some folks that very strongly believe that in order for something to be multi-tenant, you need to have different companies using this from different industries, and you're able to benefit from their different usage patterns. Um, my argument, however, is that you can still achieve multi-tenancy, especially with large enterprises, so that if they're in varying time zones, they have different uh, traffic uses and needs, you're able to balance those, those demands from different business units on the same set of resources and still be able to benefit somewhat from multi-tenancy, even though it's just within business units within a single enterprise. Lauren, what would be the size cutting off point? I guess I've been alluding to that. At, at what point does a company grow up enough where they say, ah, I don't want public public cloud. I'm ready for private. I have the resources. I'm ready to make the investment. I'm ready to do the diligence. Uh, what's the cutting point? Um, we'd say uh, large enterprises, 10,000 plus is what we're seeing a lot of interest in. However, it's not a – the interest we're mainly seeing is enterprises that are tend to be more risk-averse than a lot of small and medium businesses. And that's really where we're seeing that driving factor for a private cloud. So from there, they're looking at private cloud with the hopes of three to five years out, moving to a hybrid environment that would be able to move a workload from their private internal cloud to a public cloud. Interesting, interesting. What is the forecast, as long as we're talking about weather, what's the forecast for private cloud going forward? Is it is it bright? Are there stars out there? Are there any companies? Could you name drop a couple of names on who's doing it, doing it really well at this point in time? Um, there's a number of providers out there that are uh, that offer this solution. It's actually one of the bigger trends um, in the cloud industry right now. So we're seeing a lot of new solutions popping up. Um, in our market overview, we go through and evaluate um, these private solutions on different criteria, it, it largely depends on what you're looking for. Um, and, and we say this time and time again. Those that are looking for an interface mainly for their technical users are going to have a different requ- a set of requirements than those that are looking for a, a platform that can support non-technical users. There's a number of pure play solutions that exist out there that are designed for that non-technical user that has a very nice user interface where it's very easy to navigate, that's designed and actually will go through either with videos or um, very specific directions leading that non-technical user through a request process. Where some of the technical uh, platforms out there, you request resources through command line interface. 
Interesting. So really Lauren, we're going to have to head for. for our first break. I know we started a minute or two late, and I'm going to thank you for this. This is great information on public versus private. When we come back after the first break, we're going to be joined by Kamesh Pemaraju, head of cloud research at the Sandhill Group, and we're going to meet Dinesh Sharma, the vice president of cloud marketing at SAP, and we'll find out a lot more about the weather, ca- weather forecast right here on Breakfast with Game Changers. So go refill your cup, come back, and I'll be asking my guests what they're drinking for breakfast today. Justin, take it away. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more not just in it for profit but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways listen for be more achieve more inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host chris cooper you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with a passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance these people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more be more achieve more can be heard live fridays at 8 a.m u.s pacific time on the voice america business channel No family can survive on two incomes anymore, let alone one. If you are supplementing your family's income working from home, then tune into The Cash Flow Show, Direct Sales Radio. Host Deb Bixler brings you sales tips, lead generation systems, and best business practices that guarantee direct sales success. Whether you're looking for a little extra cash or a career change, The Cash Flow Show, Direct Sales Radio, will give you proven systems that will work in your home business. The Cash Flow Show. Show every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Breakfast with Game Changers, presented by SAP. To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Breakfast with Game Changers. Oh, I'm laughing. We're just checking our Twitter stream here on Poundside SAP Radio Coffee, and we have Chris logging in with a, a double cortadito shot, a Cuban espresso topped with steamed milk and lots of sugar. I thought Kristen was sweet enough without the sugar. Margo is enjoying decaf via Starbucks after her earlier morning Nespresso, and Malcolm is loving his Kenya Mogaga by Equator Coffee. So, Lauren Nelson, my guest in the first segment, what are you drinking this morning? I am uh, drinking a Starbucks gingerbread latte, which is uh, like candy in a cup. Oh, sounds wonderful. So let's bring on our next guest, Kamesh Pemaraju, Head of Cloud Research at the Sandhill Group. Kamesh is co-author of the critically acclaimed research study, Leaders in the Cloud. Kamesh has been recognized in the top 50 bloggers on cloud computing and in Cloud TP's best cloud computing blogs list. He helps enterprises and tech vendors accelerate their transition to the cloud, and he has consulted at many Fortune 1000 companies, including, and here's where I get to name drop, GE, GM, Motorola, HP, Microsoft, Sun Microsystems and Siemens. Kamesh, welcome back. And what are you drinking this morning? Hey, Bonnie, how are you doing? Um, Great. I said last time when I was on the show that I'm a Dunkin' Donuts nut. And that's <laughs> what I continue to drink day in and day out. 
And you still are. Okay. I have a quote I lifted from one of your blogs online. Kamesh, let me read it, and then we'll start talking with you. One Fortune 500 financial company CIO we interviewed as part of our Leaders in the Cloud research said their company will move 20% of their application portfolio to specific clouds. That's what I want to ask you about, that meet the workload characteristics of their apps in the next three to five years. So with a typical large enterprise application landscape of between 10 and 15,000 applications, that translates to two to 3,000 applications. The numbers are staggering when you scale that up to the global 2,000 companies. You write this. Comment? Yeah, uh, you, you, I lost you there for a second. <laughs> I'm teasing you. These numbers are huge. So talk to me. What does this mean for, for our listeners today? What does this mean in terms of how does a company know how many apps they have and where they're going in the cloud? Talk to me. Um, so a typical Fortune 500 company, and that's, that's pretty much what we've heard across the scene, you know, 10,000 to 15,000 apps. Even mid-sized companies, some of the ones that I've been talking to recently have somewhere in the neighborhood of 5,000 applications. Now, mm-hmm. one of the biggest issues that enterprises have is just try to figure out what applications are there and what do they do. Uh, so part of what they need to do is do what is called a portfolio rationalization. Uh, in other words, step back and take a look at the big picture and see what the apps are, what are they doing, are they core to the business, are they mission critical, do we need to run them in-house, do we care, uh, and then make some decisions around moving those applications to the cloud where it makes sense. Um, so back to that story around the, um, the CIO we talked to, uh, they moved some applications already. So what does that mean? That means they have to find an equivalent uh, SaaS application, software as a service ap- application, mm-hmm. if it exists. And typically what we are finding is uh, applications in the area of human resources, uh, customer relationship management, CRM, uh, and a few dev test type of, uh, you know, IT problem resolution. We're seeing some areas like that where companies are starting to move their applications into SaaS services. So that's one aspect of moving. The other aspect is to take those applications and host them somewhere, like on an Amazon infrastructure cloud or on Rackspace. Those are the two options that they have. And there are different cost ramifications for each of those. But the fundamental question is to ask yourself, is this core to my business? Do I need this? to run my business, you know, is it core or not? I mean, that's mm-hmm. the key question. And if it's not, the answer is move it out. Interesting. So if it isn't core, move it out to the cloud. You're saying don't do it for core because is, is that because of risk, Kamish? So think of it this way. You know, if you're a shoe manufacturer, what business do you have running a data center? Is that core to your business? And for most, most companies, the answer is no. I, I want to focus on my business, which is selling shoes, making and selling exactly. shoes. And if the IT, um, the data center piece of it comes in the way or it's not, it's not my core competency, uh, then I don't see any reason running any of that stuff in-house. You know, having staff, buying those equipment, installing the software, maintaining it, I don't need to do it. I, I want to focus my attention on my business and let someone else who's good at that stuff run it for me. On the Got other it. hand, if it turns out to be a very mission-critical app, something that's you know strategic to my business, that's mission-critical, I might choose to keep it in-house. So those are some of the decisions that uh, companies are making these days in deciding which apps to go, which apps to go to the cloud, and which apps stay in-house. Kamesh, does the cloud always save costs? Because I know that's one of the mantras is we're going to save money. We don't have to have a server farm. We don't have to have a great big warehouse full of servers and, and IT equipment and a huge staff we need to train and maintain and update all of the apps ourselves. Uh, does the cloud generically and generally save money for, let's say, a small to mid-sized company? So that's a question we asked um, our survey respondents from our research last year. And 91% of them overwhelmingly said that it, co- it saved them some money. And in fact, 70% of them said it, it saved them more than 10%. So it seems like, although I have exceptions, I did speak to a, um, a VP of um, infrastructure, uh, IT infrastructure at a pharmaceutical company the other day, and he claims that he's actually, he's actually running it cheaper in-house. So there hmm. might be exceptions, depending on how efficient you are and how well you run your internal, uh, you know, uh, infrastructure, like Lauren said earlier, uh, you know, you, you could, if you use the latest cloud technologies for the private cloud, you could potentially run it at a certain size, 
10,000 seems to be that magic number for large enterprises, probably in the range of 5,000 to 6,000 for medium-sized enterprises. If you are at that scale and if you can bring the same efficiency and automation that, you, that the public cloud vendors do, then, yeah, potentially you can save money uh, and running it in-house. But for most normal applications, you know, take CRM or HR, the, the ones that SaaS application vendors are, are getting really good at, uh, it makes sense to outsource and let, let it run in a public cloud. Okay, thank you, Kamesh. I want to bring on our third and final guest today. We have five minutes left in this segment, and I want to give some due time to Dinesh Sharma, who's also a returning guest. Dinesh is Vice President of Cloud Marketing at SAP. He's got over 20 years of experience in the high-tech industry. He recently joined the executive staff at SAP, and he's responsible for cloud messaging and positioning of applications, platforms, and strategy. Uh, I want to quote Dinesh here. You told me there is no clear definition of what is a cloud app today. We're back to something we discussed with Lauren. Is it multi-tenant? Is it self-service? What exactly is it? The truth is that the cloud is many shades of gray, and we need to acknowledge that. Welcome, Dinesh. How are you today? Pretty good, Bonnie. How are you doing? Very well. Thanks for joining us again. So talk to me. You're saying that, well, gray, of course, we you that in terms of how we describe clouds, blue skies, gray clouds, bright stars. So what's your weather forecast in terms of cloud apps? Are they clear or are we still working on Well, I think one of the things, and this is following up from a session a couple of weeks ago, uh, people need to think about the business problems. And I think both Lauren and Kamesh touched on that is you need to think about what business problem you're solving. Allow your technology partners and vendors to to bring all the tools that they have to bear to solve those particular problems. Um, I think people do tend to get kind of dogmatic about these things. And I think really, you know, we offer as SAP solutions which are multi-tenant and are self-service and some which are not in either category. But they still provide tremendous value for customers who want to deliver applications or consume applications on demand. We think it's about choice at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And following on from some of the points that Kamesh made about core applications and some of the human resource applications that people tend to use today in the cloud, we think that's a viable strategy to want to evaluate. You know, fundamentally, you want to evaluate restrictions and other types of things which would prevent you from moving certain things in the cloud. Um, and then you want to actually engage with your vendors and running tests sandboxes and experiments and ultimately finding out what people's roadmaps are to move a set of applications over to the cloud because then you can plan and we can do this together. Mm -hmm. You can plan on how you're actually going to make this move to the cloud and if it makes sense for a class of applications versus uh, other applications. But then, you know, we obviously are going to continue to develop software over time and what we want to be able to do is bring that roadmap to bear um, when it intersects with your business needs downstream. Dinesh, I was asking Lauren before to define the what I call the cutting off point on which companies are and should be looking at private cloud versus those looking at public cloud. Do you have a cutoff point, let's say, for, for um, small businesses to even think about going to the cloud? How big a company, small consulting firm, a small manufacturer, small distributor? Do you have any, any information you could share with our listeners about when they should even say, I want to go to the cloud, and I mean it? When does that conversation happen in the life cycle of the company, Dinesh? I, you know, I, that's, a, that's a very nuanced question because we make applications which could be we make applications which just one person in a company could sign up for and use, and that's hosted on our private cloud. Uh, on the other hand, we also make um, uh, software which runs on-premise for companies, which runs 55% of the world's gross to, uh, GDP. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we span the whole gamut. Uh, we have different solutions for different size companies. We have suites. We have point products and things like that. But I would tend to go with some of the breakdowns that Lauren was uh, talking about a little bit before. Um, in we're seeing more attention around, say, um, uh, subsidiaries of larger companies. You know, people who implement things in the private cloud, but uh-huh. also want to potentially work with us in the um, using our private cloud. So essentially, it is a public cloud to to our customers. Um, 
one of the use cases that we've seen tremendous attention on recently is many companies have been uh, have many many subsidiaries so large multinational companies have subsidiaries all over the world mm-hmm. one of the things we found is that it's actually beneficial to them to want to integrate a newly acquired company or a joint venture by having them use a cloud-based solution of say our uh, full suite of products to integrate mm-hmm. back into their um, on-premise data center, uh, which they've invested, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars on, together with the software, SAP software that runs their business. Uh, Dinesh, I need that... you to hold that thought because we're at our break point. We're at halfway. Okay. Uh, quickly, tell me, what are you drinking for breakfast today? Uh, I'm same as uh, always. It's uh, Pete's Major Dickinson's uh, Two Shot Americano. Okay, we're going to go and take our halfway break. When we come back, we're going to open up the roundtable to Lauren Nelson, Kamesh Pamaraju, and Dinesh Sharma. We're going to be talking about the cloud vendor landscape, your must-haves and your gotchas when you're looking to select a vendor, the relationship between enterprise mobility and cloud adoption. And I have a question from a listener who asks, "Is the cloud? if the cloud doesn't save you money, why bother going there? So we'll take that all into consideration when we come back. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Breakfast with Game Changers. We'll see you on the other side. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com what does a visual workplace mean to you how does it contribute to operational excellence and what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place listen to the visual workplace work that makes sense to find out Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're enjoying Breakfast with Game Changers, presented by SAP. To speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Breakfast with Game Changers. Welcome back. I'm on a phone now. We're trying a little different protocol here. We're trying all of our technology, so let's see how this sounds. Uh, welcome back to Breakfast with Game Changers. I'm talking with Lauren Nelson from Forrester, 
Kamesh Pemaraju from Sand Hill Group and Dinesh Sharma from SAP. Let's open this up to our roundtable format. Lauren, why don't you kick us off? The cloud vendor landscape, what's the playing field look like today? How many newcomers? How many old-timers? How mature is the playing field when people are looking for a vendor to get them into the cloud? So, again, this comes into the issue of are you looking at SaaS vendors? Are you looking at platform as a service or infrastructure as a service? And then from there, breaking down infrastructure as a service, are you looking for hosted private, an internal private software solution, or a public cloud vendor? Um, in all of those solutions, there's a number of vendors. Um, the software as a service space is a little more mature than the others right now. There's a lot of vendors that have quite clearly taken the lead in a lot of cases, um, but it depends what type of SaaS solution you're looking for. And a lot of times, those are your main software vendors that have been in the market for a long time. Um, okay. The infrastructure as a service space, which is really my focus, it's a lot of the big guys, but also some pure plays that are coming through, like the Amazon uh, in the public space. Um, and then something like a Bequo or um, a platform computing in the in the private space. Okay, I want to ask Kamesh since you interview so many people in your your leaders in the leaders survey. How do companies know the right questions to ask Kamesh? It, it's like if you go to the doctor, you have to tell him or her what's wrong. How many people can really describe what they want? Let's say a. a small company, I don't know, 25, 30 employees decide. They hear about the cloud. They're listening to our show today. They say, that sounds really good. Let's give it a try. How do they know what to do? Do they go in and look online? Do they Google cloud vendors? Do they just put a question and ask.com? How do you start this process, Kamesh? So what we have seen is uh, companies uh, do go through a, a fairly, especially if they're a large company, they do go through a very um, uh, elaborate due diligence process. Uh, smaller companies tend to go with whoever are the leaders uh, in the market, you know, especially for SaaS. Uh, you know, you know, in Salesforce, for example, is an, is a leader in CRM uh, and so on. So they look at the, who the leaders are and generally go with that. Uh, there's an example of a IT services startup company I had the privilege of working with, and they pretty much went with uh, every solution that's out there in SaaS to run their business to launch their business. They had a solution for email, a solution for CRM, uh, market automation, HR, accounting, finance, you just name it. Uh, the, the only issue is what happens with these small companies, they tend, up, they tend to take these point solutions, mm -hmm. and then later on they run into the issue of integrating all these different applications for workflow purposes. Uh, but uh, you know, the, the key thing to do is to do a due diligence, uh, ask the business questions first. Is this vendor viable? You know, let's keep in mind that this market is very dynamic. There's going to be a lot of consolidation down the road. So you have to ask some business viability questions. Are they likely to stay in the business in the next three to five years? Uh, okay. What kind of customer support do they provide? Uh, are you getting locked into the vendor? And if you're a slightly bigger company, you have governance and security and entitlement issues. Um, so due diligence, a thorough vendor evaluation is, uh, is what needs to, needs to happen. Okay. I want to ask Dinesh Schreimer from SAP. Is it the responsibility of the tech company, let's say XYZ Consulting calls some vendor, is it the responsibility of the vendor to take the lead in asking the right questions to help the customer figure out what they need, or is it the responsibility of the customer to do, as, as Kamesh was talking about, all of their due diligence and their homework before they even make that first phone call? What do you think? It's a little bit of both. I mean, uh, you, uh, as a, as a, speaking as a vendor, uh, we, you want to work with companies who have a thorough understanding of what their business problem actually is. And uh, I think I want to touch upon a point that Kamesh just uh, um, raised, is that there's a lot of companies that go off and do a number of point solutions. Uh, you know, I have a HR problem, so let me go sign up with an HR uh, um, point solutions company. Uh, or then I, I'm a sales office, and I spend my time selling widgets, so let me get a CRM system. The thing that we think is just bubbling to the surface is this integration problem. Obviously, there's some vendors out there who provide a complete suite of products which allow you to, to grow into them. So you can start to use just the CRM portion of it to, to begin with. And then ultimately, as your business grows and you add more employees, you're going to have an HR um, component which you need to automate. Uh, we think that is probably 
the right way for companies to think and for, for products to be brought to market. Uh, however, we do think bringing those point solutions out but educating the customer base mm-hmm. on what those point solutions do, you know, it's, it's a mutual thing because you don't want to go into the SaaS business is very different um, from the traditional on-premise business where we would maybe spend a year or two years selling our on-premise software to a large company where there's a thorough understanding of exactly what's going on because they've got 100 people working on this, so do we. Sure. Um, it's different in this space. The uh, velocity of business and the time to value, some of the things which are the main attributes of, of, of the cloud, um, also lead people to make decisions quickly. And once you start to put your data into a particular system, even if it's in the cloud, it is going to be more painful to take that data out of that system to put it into something else if it, if it doesn't quite fit. But, you know, um, a lot of times when we buy apps on the Apple App Store, you don't quite think about that because you just go ahead and do it and decide to back out of it if there's something else that shows up. You've got to be very careful, even as a growing business, even as a 10-person company, what might happen if you decide to switch systems downstream. Interesting, interesting. Lauren, you want to weigh in on this one? Restrictions, gray areas, no-nos, signposts along the way that might say caution, um, bumpy road ahead. Any thoughts on that? Uh, Definitely. Uh, Earlier this year, I did a report, um, it's actually still in our editing department, on cloud standardization and where it is in the process. And one of the big issues and pain points we're seeing from clients today is this issue of portability. Once I put my information in, once I start using a vendor, how do I not get locked in? Um, And that's a problem on all fronts of the cloud. Um, And really, there are some third-party solutions that are popping up to try and uh, talk to this pain point, to try and ease this this, uh, issue of portability while we're... Uh, in the meantime, before we actually have standards in place. But this is a, a big problem, and we're seeing a lot of folks starting to use cloud. They've started using a vendor, and then all of a sudden there's another solution that works for their business better, but they're unable to move that solution at that point, and it's uh, without substantial integration and upfront work. So it is definitely something to consider on the front end when you're picking vendors. Interesting. Kamesh, you want to add to that? So I would add regulatory compliance to the list. Um, so many companies that um, that operate in uh, industries like financial services, healthcare, uh, insurance have special compliance needs. Uh, you know, PCI, Sarbanes-Oxley, HIPAA. So one of the things, especially if you're using a public cloud vendor, is for you to understand if the public vendor services are certified or can be certified in the future. So I think that's an important point. It could be a no-go if that's not there in certain cases. Uh, the other one I would add to that is generally enterprise readiness. You know, if you're a large enterprise, is the vendor ready for large enterprise applications? Is the service mature enough and tested in production environments? Uh, those are important questions to ask, and disaster recovery could be a third one. If you're an international company and you have uh, locations and users around the world, what about geographical coverage? You know, there are laws around privacy, data, data privacy. Uh, so if you're uh, a, an international company and have operations in Switzerland, for example, uh, the data cannot leave the, um, the boundaries of that country. So how does the cloud vendor manage that? And there are security issues around that as well. So these are some of the things to consider. Wow. Is there such a thing as cloud education? Uh, Dinesh, how, how do people learn about it before they even uh, – my, my uh, question before is before you pick up the phone. It sounds like there's a learning curve that you need to at least understand the yeses and the noes, the pluses and the minuses before you even think, you know, we're all aware of the television commercials at the consumer level where somebody's sitting in an airport and she wants to get a certain television show and she didn't DVR it before she left on her trip. And uh, all of a sudden the whole thing turns around and she says, to the cloud, and, and a PC appears and all of a sudden she's miraculously connected. And we think of cloud as something that's easy. It's a five-minute fix, something wonderful will happen to your life. Not exactly so in the business world, is it, Dinesh? Not quite, but I'm sure that uh, people are going to be listening to this show to get uh, as much information on the cloud as possible. Um, but, you know, there is no lack of information. I mean, Kamesh has produced a number of white papers, and there's a lot of the analysts out there. Um, there's a lot of information that's available. Plus, you know, 
anybody who's in the IT space or providing IT services to small companies has been paying attention to this. So, you know, I think the cloud has moved way beyond the, the hype cycle. It is uh, reality. It is going to be something that's going to be into, integral to businesses moving forward. So I think, you know, we're down the path on the education side, but there's still work to be done. I think it is, uh, as I mentioned before, the collaborative effort between a vendor to provide information to, uh, to make it frictionless for customers to be able to consume services or consume software in that particular way. So it is a two-way street right now. Good point, well, and it's a two-way street. Um, I have to, Lauren, I want you to hold that thought okay, because great. we're just about ready to take our break. When we come back, I'll ask our closing question. The cloud is already dramatically changing how companies do business today. I want each of you to look into your crystal tech ball and predict the cloud in 2017. And, Lauren, we will lead with your question when we come back. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Breakfast with Game Changers. Go pour another cup, and we'll be back with our closing remarks. Take it away. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network being here with ariel and shia kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern day enlightenment this show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. Are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market? If so, then you need to tune in to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, Jordan Kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on Wall Street, as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit-pumping pro. Grab the bull market by the horns and listen to Profitable Investing with Jordan Kimmel. Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying breakfast with game changers presented by sap to speak with Bonnie D. Graham and her guests, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Breakfast with Game Changers. And we are back for our closing. Lauren Nelson wanted to say something. And, Lauren, why don't you combine your comment before the break with the topic question of look into the crystal ball and what do you predict the cloud would look like in 2017? Go ahead. Great. I just wanted to add, add a bit to the education portion. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned that there are a lot of analyst firms that kind of help uh, – differentiate between what's cloud and what's cloud washing um, and really figuring out what you need and how to solve your business problems. I just want to also call out that there's a number of education programs out there, such as Cloud Camp, which is run by a number of cloud vendors. There's also certification programs that are just starting up from a number of their vendors as well. Um, and then there's also ed- educating yourself on using public cloud on your own time and being able to start getting used to running applications in the cloud and figuring out how to run those applications smoothly without them uh, breaking um, and without something uh, something going wrong. And that's it's really something that you can, can start now, and we highly encourage you to do this because 
those cloud skills are going to be essential to uh, IT in the future, and it's going to be a big driver um, for employment in the future. Um, so and that's with our that, weather forecast. What's your, what's, your, uh, what's your crystal ball say? What was that? Your crystal ball. What does it say? The crystal 2017. ball. Um, I think that folks will start to learn that cloud is an outsourcing option. Uh, we mentioned earlier in the show that folks are, are moving to the cloud with not really knowing what types of business problems they're trying to solve. In the future, I see that going away and folks really starting to see the cloud as a, a way to solve business problems, um, both with software as a service, hosted private, and public cloud, and figuring out what assortment of that meets their needs. So just more clarity in the future. Thank you, Lauren Nelson. And let's turn to Kamesh Pamaraju, Sand Hill Group. Prediction, cloud in 2017. So, Bonnie, I just finished a uh, study about cloud computing's impact on uh, economic prosperity of the world and jobs created. Um, so mm. just looking at it from a much higher level perspective, uh, what we concluded was that cloud, cloud computing will generate a sizable number of new jobs over the next five to seven years, you know, in, in the tune of hundreds hundreds of thousands of new jobs. And I think there are three new trends that are, that are shaping our industry now, which will accelerate cloud even more, and those are mobile, big data, as well as social. I mean, these are the three new trends that I believe will, will propel cloud computing into the stratosphere. And by 2017, social. I want to know what you mean by social. We will have pretty much all of the infrastructure platforms uh, and applications in the cloud, 80% of it. 20% will stay in-house. Wow. Social. What's the definition of social as you just used it? So think of Facebook and then apply mm -hmm. that uh, to the enterprise. So if I'm looking for someone who has done this project before, where is he? How can I get access to him? What has he done before? It's very hard to get that information today. And if you have a Facebook-like interface, you can maybe send a question to the entire company and get an answer pretty quickly. Very interesting. And let's go to Dinesh Sharma from SAP. Crystal Ball 2017, from your vantage point in your 20 years of experience, what say you, Dinesh? I think um, private clouds will be just commonplace inside a large and um, uh, uh, medium-sized enterprises in 2017. Just the business agility that they, that they offer, the ability to deploy applications as needed to use resources in an elastic manner will be... Um, just commonplace at that time. Uh, another thought is around emerging markets. Emerging markets have no such legacy of, of systems in-house. So for companies that want to really continue to drive and expand uh, or even expand global supply chains, the emerging markets are going to look towards cloud solutions to implement any kind of business processes and analytics and, and things like that in the future. It's this, in, a, in a similar analogy, is the same way that... Uh, uh, the telephone systems in emerging markets all ended up being cell, you know, cellular dominated because there was no infrastructure in the past, so there's no need to build any of the old traditional phone lines. So, you know, it's the same kind of story, and the emerging markets, everybody knows, are key, key areas of expansion for, for our economy and uh, uh, other companies too. Dinesh, would you say when a company, let's look from the point of view, I think we have uh, 30 seconds to talk about this. When we look at the point of view of a, somebody who's an entrepreneur, they have a great idea, they gather some seed money, they get some friends or coworkers quietly, they start a business. Should planning that trip to, to the cloud be something that's in their business plan from the get-go? Yeah, I don't think any new company is even going to look to probably buy servers anymore. Uh, uh, so, you know, especially with companies you know, such as ours offering complete business suites or point solutions, I mean, anybody who's doing something new, I know in the entrepreneurial world, uh, I've spent some time in that space as well, no venture capitalist is allowing any company to buy a server. It just is not going to really? happen anymore. So, really? you know, that's a good wow. thing. Uh, ending thought is uh, the future is all about cloud. And Kamesh, from your, your, all your research, do you agree with that, that small companies have to start just right out of the gate? Cloud has to, with a big letter C on the back of their sweatshirts? Absolutely. I think what Dinesh said is 100% true. I mean, if you look at the VC investments, uh, they are saying, you know, work in the cloud because they don't have to spend a lot of capital investments up front. They can innovate pretty quickly. They can experiment with things. The cloud makes it so much easier to do all those things. And for a startup, that's absolutely critical. 
Lauren, you too? You want to weigh in on that one quickly? The only thing I'd add is, is uh, mend of the uh, cloud is the, the future. I would change that to outsourcing is the future. Um, I think it's going to be a combination of cloud services and traditional outsourcing. That will be the best fit for most companies. So um, it's that whole idea of strategic right sourcing that we, that we talked about earlier on in the show about uh, if it's not critical to your business line, if you make shoes, why run a data center? Very interesting. I want to talk about next week's show. Next week for us in North America is Thanksgiving, and we are doing a show next Wednesday, the 23rd of November, and the topic is going to be geared to the holiday. Believe it or not, mobility goes home for the holiday. doesn't matter if you're traveling in a car, a plane, a bus, a cab, a train, wherever you are in transit, you will be mobile. You will have devices with you. In most cases, you'll be able to be connected. I have a quote for you. Consumers want more out of their mobile device than just saying hello on the phone. And this holiday, consumers are taking interaction to a whole new level with finding store locations, comparing prices, doing their shopping, researching deals, making purchases, connecting with family and friends, talking about travel schedules, all in the palm of their hand, even after and before Thanksgiving dinner from their living room, Lazy Boy recliner. No plug for Lazy Boy here. We'll be talking with Paul Greenberg, Cheryl Kingstone, Dr. Natalie Pedowoff, and I will tell you my We'll be posting the uh, – uh, Greg Dunn from SAP. Sorry about that. We'll be posting that on the site here on Voice America very soon so you can get a look. And so we'll be having fun with pervasive mobility. What are you taking with you? And you'll never be stranded over the holidays again if you have a mobile device. So I want to say thank you to Lauren Nelson from Forrester for joining us again. Always good, clear insights from you, Lauren. Thank you so much for your time. And say hello to Devin for me and Craig. I want to thank Kamesh Pamaraju from – Santo Group, and thanks to MR as well, and thank you to Dinesh Sharma from SAP. I know you've been really, really busy with Sapphire, and we thank you for taking the time to come on the call. And thank you to my co-producer and talent management scout, Malcolm Kimberlin at SAP. A shout-out to Joan Sherlock, a shout-out to Patricia Harris, shout-out to Wendy Ann Nesbeth and Carolyn Rock CB. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We will see you next week here, and we'll maybe we'll have a little pre-Thanksgiving setting. Uh, we might have some pumpkin-flavored coffee in our mugs next week. So have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon here on Breakfast with Game Changers, presented by SAP. So long. Thanks again for tuning in to Breakfast with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the breakfast conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign SAPRADIO. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.